There's a, there's a, a very clear uh, mandate that uh, scripture reminds us that we are to be joyful givers. So, um, so after a, a talk like we've just had from Andy, giving us an insight, um, you should actually be in tears of hilarity, shouldn't you? You should be absolutely lost in hilarious guffaws. We use some good words today, cacophony and guffaws. We are, we're going to share the Lord's Supper in, in a few moments. Um, but I just wanted to reflect upon uh, a subject that we are introduced to when we come to uh, sharing the bread and the wine together. And it's about thankfulness. So I thought I, I, I would look at the scriptures and, and see um, the encounters that we can engage with where Jesus was thankful, where he said, thank you. And I think if we see where Jesus said thank you, it helps us in the way that um, we discern um, our response to everything that happens around us. There's this verse that has been uh, a sort of a life verse. Uh, many of you may have it or, or certainly would know it, which is um, a little bit of a tricky one. It says very clearly here that we are to rejoice always, pray content constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we may find ourselves asking the question, you know, oh, what do I do? In this circumstance, this situation, well, Paul tells the Thessalonians that whatever circumstance and situation, take on board these things. You are to be a rejoicer. There is always something to rejoice in or rejoice over. There is always something that we can rel re relate to God's goodness to us. I I'm just going to rejoice. I'm going to be a rejoicer. I'm not going to find myself whinging and moaning. I'm going to find myself interceding. Pray continuously. Other versions say pray without ceasing. Keep up prayer. I remember listening to um, Carol Arnott. She's uh, married to John Arnott, leads the uh, Toronto Airport Church. I don't know if it's still called that over um, in Canada. And, and she talked about the fact that um, there is a need for us to be aware of the fact that God is with us and listening to us and awaiting for us to speak to him. There's a part of it, of course, where we stop and we listen to what he is saying to us, but we should be in constant communication. I don't know if you feel as I feel when you look at your phone and you realize you don't have a signal and suddenly you think to yourself, nobody can get in touch with me and I can't get in touch with anyone. I have no signal. I'm finding it very challenging that when we go around these caravan sites, now we're caravan owners and we go off to these wild places and, uh, uh, and then you, you get your phone out and the one thing I check as I turn up on the site, we find our pitch, we're going to set up the caravan, I get my phone out and see, have we got a signal here? Because I want to make sure that we can communicate with people and people can communicate with us. 
And then you find, of course, when you're trying to do that, suddenly that amount of data that you used to have that used to work beautifully for you when you could connect with the Wi-Fi wherever you went, now, because you're not able to connect with Wi-Fi, your phone is using up all your data. But you think, oh, we justify this because we need to stay connected. Scripture talks about uh, rejoice always, pray continuously, stay connected, just as we desire to stay connected with one another. The word of God reminds us that we should stay connected with our heavenly father. Give thanks in everything. Some things it's hard to give thanks in, but we can give thanks in everything because in everything there's something to give thanks for. And he picks up on the fact that this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, what's God's will for you? What's God's will over your life? It's very simple. We can just take these points here, even this morning. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. That's a three-point sermon. We could wrap it up now. Let's go into communion. But I just want to pick up on four times that Jesus said, thank you. Let me read you from John chapter 6. The scriptures are just up on the screen for you. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him. John 6, we're talking about feeding a multitude. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has, there is a boy here who has uh, five uh, barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. So here's a situation where we recognize that there is a limitation, but in the limitation, the abundance of God is released. Whenever you find yourself limited or restricted, when we find ourselves in that place of, I am going to rejoice, I am going to pray, I'm going to give thanks, in the midst of restriction we can find God brings his abundance. It's a funny situation, isn't it? You've got the mathematician who uh, kicks the story off, doesn't it? He is going to uh, look into, this is Philip, he's looking into what is the cost? What is the cost of what we are seeking here? Feeding all of these people. If we do our maths in the uh, 2022, uh, let's work with the living wage. So with the living wage, 9.90 an hour. Uh, that's before taxes. Um, that means it's £79 a day. So 200 days wages, which is what the amount that uh, Philip is talking about, works out at about 15,840 quid. 15 grand, almost 16. So it's no surprise that Philip is saying, whoa, let's just hold on here. This is going to cost us an absolute fortune. But you see, what happens is 
another perspective comes in. And this is Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he says, I don't know if you want to know this, Jesus, but there's this lad here. He's got some bread and uh, some fish. And the word, the Greek word actually that's used in this uh, passage for fish isn't ichthus like the normal word for fish. The word that is used um, is a word that means either tiny fish or fish paste. So he might have had a bit of crushed up fish. How much fish have you got? I've got two fish that we've managed to get the bones out of. Fish, does anybody remember Shippham's fish paste? Yeah? Does anybody buy that these days? Oh, we've moved on, haven't we? Oh, how we've moved on. But you see, God says that you don't have to move on from the minuscule amounts. He's saying that with God, limitation leads to abundance. And what we have here is a beautiful reflection upon where Jesus is and how he understands the world around him. We've heard the financial side. We've seen the limited uh, resources that we have. But this is what he says. Verse 11, Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he then distributed. Whatever you have give thanks for. The model that we have, whatever limitation on resources you have, give thanks. When you look at your bank balance at the end of the month and you realize there's not a lot, give thanks. When you open the larder cupboard and the shelves aren't stacked, in the midst of limitation, give thanks. That's what Jesus did. And as Jesus gave thanks, the story continues and we see the abundance of blessing. Rather than focus on what they didn't have, Jesus thanked God for what they did have. And he gave thanks. He gave thanks for food. That's where we start. For what he's got. Give thanks for what you've got. Jesus also, as another doing a... Jesus thanks search on Google. Thanked God for revealing his will. There's an interesting one. There are a limited number of uh, scriptures that speak about God's will being revealed. We have that first scripture that I read from 1 Thessalonians. That we are to rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. But here are the others that I found. Uh, we've got uh, Matthew eighteen fourteen. So it is the will of the Father who is in heaven that no one of these little ones should perish. If you just look around in this room here, just have a quick look around. Okay, there is nobody that you are looking at that God doesn't want to spend eternity with. Isn't that awesome? I mean, you might think to yourself, well, I don't know about them. But God's desire is that eternity, his desire is that he will spend eternity with you all. Now, the thing about it is, this scripture also reminds us that God's desire is that he would spend eternity with all. 
It's not a single person that we will set eyes on. That God's desire isn't to have at the party in heaven. So it is the will of the Father who is in heaven that not one of these ones should perish. He wants all to come to know him. God's will. John 6.40, for this is the will of God, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Which means that it's our joy to make sure that we share the love of God that we have had an encounter with so that others may come to understand that Jesus is Lord. That they can confess him. That they can see Jesus. We've had a brilliant time with Alpha running up to the summer. And we've got another Alpha starting on Tuesday mornings um, in two weeks' time. What do I love about Alpha? What I love about Alpha is that we get to share with people who don't know Jesus, Jesus. But then that's what you get to do every single day. Every person that you see, you have an opportunity to introduce them to Jesus. 1 Peter 2.15, for it's God's will that by doing right you should not uh, silence the ignorance of the foolish men. God's will, you, is, it, when we read in, in the letters of Peter, it's, it's about living out your faith, that you would not be a stumbling block to those who follow. The last thing we want to say is, oh, if that's a Christian, you can stuff that. The key is that when people look at us and say, if that's a Christian, I want that. God's will is that we would live, that we would be a light on a hill, an attractor, rather than a repeller. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, for this is the will of God, for your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And this is the thing, isn't it? Because you're looking for, what is God's will? The will of God. I want that phrase in scripture. And then you come across a piece and you think, so, oh, number one, it's got a long word, sanctification. And then it talks about sexual immorality. Why that? Well, sanctification is our day-by-day refining, iron sharpening iron, that I would be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today because I've been through what I've been through today. Sanctification is holiness being personified in us and on us and around us as we get to know Jesus and make him known. And the sexual immorality side of things, I always find this in scripture again and again. It's one of those things, the temptations that face us all. There's the stuff that goes on in our minds. And there's the stuff that we get involved in with our hands. But then there's the minds and hands coming together with regard to relating to others that we need to be careful about. Purity. Purity is important. There's something precious about the relationship that God says is to be honored of a man and a woman and intimacy. Flee from all the other stuff. Flee from all the other stuff. And that's what God's will is, that we would be those who would walk in the light And know that God's will is to bring us to a place of a deeper knowledge and understanding of him that we would witness to the world around us that Jesus is Lord and in our own personal lives allow ourselves to be sanctified and purified day by day 
That's God's will. When Jesus talks about it, he talks about this in uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 21. In that same hour, he rejoiced the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, uh, the Father, the Lord, the Father of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such is your gracious will. And this is the beautiful thing about the way that God walks with us and talks with us, how he encourages us and he builds us. He does it by allowing us to be part of what he is doing, even though we don't feel qualified. So often we think to ourselves, well, I've got to do this, I've got to go to the Bible classes, I've got to have the theological training. But the context of Luke chapter 10 is that Jesus sends out the 72. These are the... I suppose the apprentices, they're not the close disciples. These are the uh, second followers. And he sends them out and he says, go and do these things. And they go off and do these things. And when they do these things, lay hands on the sick and they get well. Preach the kingdom of God and see people's lives transformed. They come back to Jesus and they say to Jesus, it's happening just as you say. And Jesus' response is these very words from Luke 10. Those who are disqualified, unqualified in the ways of the world are those who are set apart by God to be his witnesses in the world. And Jesus' comment is, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you will use people from all walks of life, all levels of intelligence and status to do your will. I thank you, Father, he says. I thank you. And this is what I love about the church of Jesus Christ is that it's made up of people like me who are nobodies really. Yet we're set apart and called to be a somebody because we know somebody great. And that great one, his name is Jesus. Don't discount yourself. Jesus thanks his heavenly father for you. He says, because you are able, you are capable. Third thing, just to say... Jesus thanked his heavenly father for hearing uh, his prayer. This is uh, one of those pieces of scripture when we recognize that um, God is at work at many levels. This is the raising of Lazarus, a great friend of Jesus there in Bethany. When Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. Uh, It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus says, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by by this time there will be an odor. I I love this. Anybody ever read the um, King James version of this? Tell us, Tina, what it says. There'll be a bad smell. There'll be a bad, or it'll stinketh. (laughs) Stinketh. I love that. 
bad smell, stinketh. Yeah, okay. Uh, take away the stone. Uh, there'll be a bad odor for he's been dead for uh, four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who was dead came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. I I love this story, but we're just picking up on one aspect of the story. It's the fact that Jesus spoke to his heavenly father. And he said this, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I just want you to know today that your heavenly father hears you. Jesus said, thank you, Father, that you hear me. And the truth of the matter is, many would turn around and say, That's, for God to hear God, because Jesus is God, it seems a little bit daft to say that Jesus is heard by his father, because of course he is, because he's God. But the truth of the matter is, God listens to us. He hears us. He responds to our prayers. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. Do you know that last minute throwaway line, prayer, that you may have prayed? God hears it. God hears it. And if he hears it, he's responding to it. There's some other promises in in God's word. This is uh, 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that you have towards him, that we ask anything according to will. He hears us. Jesus says, you hear me. John reminds us that He hears us. Peter, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. Always listening. The thing about it is, there's never a problem with God hearing. More often, there is a problem with us speaking. We don't come to God with our prayers. We don't lay our concerns at his feet. But Jesus says, I'm going to give thanks because my heavenly father hears me. We are encouraged to be those who recognize that God hears our prayers. He gives thanks. Last point here is the fact that Jesus gives thanks even in the midst of difficulties. We're coming to the Lord's table These are the words that we find in Mark chapter 14. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, Take this, is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. In the midst of the meal with his disciples, Jesus takes bread and breaks it. Jesus takes a cup 
and shares it. But before the breaking and the sharing, there is the acknowledgement that God, you are worthy. A body broken, blood shed. It's a, a, a projection to what was going to be happening on Good Friday. But also an opportunity for deeper intimacy with the disciples who'd walked with him. Let's share a meal together. I love having meals with people. I, I just love having meals. I just love meals. I think I'd eat on my own, but I also enjoy eating with other people. Jesus gathers those that were closest to him and shares that most intimate of things, a meal. And we could turn it around and say, yeah, well, um, it's okay for him to give thanks. Did he really know what was going on? But I think if you just go back uh, a few verses and you find exactly what was going on in his mind, because Jesus is sat at the table, he's sharing bread and wine with his disciples, but it's in the context of these words from Mark 14. And when it was evening, he came with the 12. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one of you who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, is it I? He said to them, it is one of the twelve, one who is dipping his bread in the dish with me. So even in his awareness that he is going to be uh, traded over to the authorities by one of those who'd walked with him and seen him in action, Day by day for three years, a friend at that table was about to share in this bread and this wine, and yet Jesus still gave thanks. I just want to encourage you, actually. Give thanks for your food. It might be a throwaway line. Lord, just bless this meal. Amen. It may be extended. Sometimes when we uh, say grace, we extend it a little. We, we add a few things that we know that we are asking God to intervene with, specifically in our, our family or in the church or, or, or the wider sphere. But give thanks. And don't be ashamed to do it publicly. Pray in public. Talk to your heavenly father who listens to you in public. I I was out with a a fellow minister this week and we had breakfast at the uh, Spruce Goose. And uh, oh, food again. Oh, my word. But we came out after an hour and a half together chatting. And we were stood in just outside the lobby area. Has anybody ever been to the Spruce Goose? You just come out of the doors and you go down the steps and you can do this. We were just stood there and we were saying our farewells. Let's do this again. It was great or whatever. And um, so we put our hands on each other's shoulder and I prayed for him and he prayed for me. And the people were coming out of the spruce goose going off to do whatever they were doing. But had to sort of negotiate around past two blokes outside praying. Do you know what? It was more important to speak a blessing over each other than to be concerned about what the other people were thinking. The power of prayer. In the midst of 
all the difficulties that can be going like Jesus was going through as he was at this table, a table that we're going to replicate in a few moments' time. Pray and pray with thanksgiving. And thank God for what you've got. Add a grace. If you don't do grace, start doing grace. Lord, we are so blessed. Thank you. Amen. And it impacts your kids. If you pray around the table or your grandkids, if you pray around the table. I can remember Christmas several years ago and my dad got his dinner first and he was sat on the table and he was sat there, got his dinner and he was started eating. And I just, I, none of us has all started yet. We're all waiting for everybody together. And I just go, whoa! <laughs> and I, could, I, I mean, most of the family just sort of dived off the table. What? Whoa, what's going on? Let's give thanks. So then your knife and fork go down. <gasps> yeah. Let's do that. Let's give thanks for all that God has brought into our lives and especially the food that we eat and we recognize as we're going into the autumn there is so much news about how challenging things are going to be but even in the midst of those challenges let's be thankful give thanks for our daily bread give thanks that God reveals his will to us give thanks to God for hearing our prayers And when I think about how can Jesus give thanks when he's round a table and he's just about to be uh, how hard is it when somebody who you know and you love releases you over to the enemy just as Judas does. But in the midst of the difficulties, Jesus could still give thanks to his Father because he had a pattern. And when you give thanks in all circumstances, when the circumstances are difficult, you are still able to give thanks. How did he do it? I know we can thank you for the daily bread. I know we can thank you, Lord, for for how you uh, have revealed your will. I know that you hear. But how do I give thanks in really difficult times? Well, the way that we can give thanks in really difficult times is to have built a habit of giving thanks in the good times. And when we're giving thanks in the good times, we have the conditioned heart that allows us to give thanks when things are difficult. We're following Jesus' example. We are giving thanks. So let's pray together. Lord, we are so thankful. We say even here this morning, when we reflect on who you are and how you have blessed us, we are thankful. Help us, Lord, in all circumstances, in all situations,
to have an attitude of gratitude. And as we come to this table this morning, as we take together as the family of God in this place, this bread and this cup, we do it with thanksgiving. Because Lord, everything we have is from you. We see in a broken bread and a poured out cup a body and blood. The enormity of the value that you place upon us. And for that, Lord, this morning, as we share together around this table, we say thank you. Thank you. Amen.